returning guest a returning champion uh to the show one of my favorites of all time a gentleman a scholar a comedian i believe the last time or the first time he was on the show i introduced him as inventing his own math which he corrected me on but i refused to uh, believe i think he i think he did i think he invented his own math um he's an amazingly brilliant guy he's written a new book called out of my mind which i love the title because i think it, it perfectly encapsulates uh, who he is um, and 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 what he's done in his entire career. Um, it's an amazing book. I got a chance to read it. Uh, I loved it. It's we'll talk more about it, but I don't want to waste any more time. Uh, please welcome the lovely, the hilarious Charles Fleischer. Hello, sir. Well, thank you. What an extraordinary introduction, I must say. When you called me lovely, I had a moment of of uh, actually. Feeling lovely, but it was short-lived. <laughs> you know, lovely moments are often short-lived, but it's better to be short-lived than long-legged if you're wearing <laughs> short pants. See, this is the kind of thing in Out of My Mind that I... You have a, a, a way with words and turning a phrase. I mean, in your personal life, in your appearances, in public, any award shows you've done, any interviews you've done, but now I get to see it written down in print, and it's just, it's, I can hear you in my head. And I think that like the best part of uh, having somebody like yourself who's turned to writing a book, because you never know what somebody's, vo if somebody's voice can translate to the, to print, but yours does. And then on top of that, it it's like tenfold because you're an amazing writer. Everything you write is very beautiful. It's like, I, I didn't have to go too far to imagine what I was seeing because you just express it so well on the page. It, I got, I literally got lost in each and every story to the point where these are short stories, by the way, in his, in, in his book, Out of My Mind. Um, but I'm a, I'm greedy, and uh, there's a lot of times where I just wanted more of the last thing I had read to the point where I would kind of go back, reread it again, read some more of it because the characters are beautiful and the way you end them is perfect. It's not like you leave it where, you know, there's like. Uh, I feel like I, it was unresolved. I just want to know more about that. Pe more about those people. More about the uh, uh, the characters. So well, yeah, that's uh, that's extraordinary praise. I must say, so extraordinary that I'm I'm reduced to a non shtick level of response, whereas <laughs> I could just go. I'm humble now, but um, there are ten stories, and that is the intention that I had uh, was to. Uh, have people want to want more and uh, you never know one of these stories might lead to to the development of something else that that gives people more of that Ooh, i like that kind of cliffhanger that's a good lead i want to read the um the titles of the stories out loud anyway. um uh imagine if i didn't read them out loud and i just i want to read them real quick to me not for anybody else no i'll read them out loud uh sylvia is the first one rubies and emeralds mm -hmm. severed soul the Visit, Maristica, 
which I love that. I love that. I love that one a lot. And I also like the title a lot. Um, um, Malachite Elvis. Malachite. Malachite. Sorry, Malachite. Uh, see, this is my, I'm not. I'm it's my okay. Time. Malachite is a, it's a different kind of thing. A Malachite is if you take a shite, it's not good. It's Malachite. <laughs> malachite is a green mineral with a nice sheen. Ah, a Charlie sheen. Ah, that's Charlie. That's the Italian coming out in me. Um, hunger. Um, uh, oh man, am I, am I saying that? Cygnus of the Northern Sky. Is that? Did I say that right? Yeah, Cygnus. Beautiful. And too many secrets. And sugar from the snow is the last one. Sugar from the snow. And uh, did you have a favorite amongst those little? I I have a few favorites. I really loved. I was. I, I loved Severed Soul. And I. And I. I don't. I, I something I, I like when you kind of talk about anything that is um, has a little bit of a sciency edge to it. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Well, it does, except for the use of the word sciency. <laughs> that kind of like negates your understanding of scientific data. That was very sciency. Could you just something a little, <laughs> little more labby? You know, but perhaps you could, uh, to, if you were to say scientific or numerically coherent but right. i appreciate that and that is uh an intrinsic part of who i am yeah uh, yeah and i do include that in in many of the the instances because you I, do as fanciful and imaginary as as these tales are they're based on things that are actual see that's what i wanted to get into it because because a lot of these seem to have um I mean, obviously, you know, you said you made up the characters and all that other thing, but they seem to have a very personal touch to them. And getting to know you a little bit, I kind of see some of the flair from, you know, your personal life kind of mixed in with these. But like one of the one of the questions that I definitely want to know is which one of these stories for you came out of you first and why? Like, mm. what was the thing that made you go, I want to write this particular one? And then you were like, I think I have nine more in me as well. Uh, I really don't know. I, it could have been the very, well, I started this over 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, and then it just, it was on the shelf for a while. And then I said, well, I think I'm going to do something with it. Um, I'm guessing it was, uh, Sylvia and, uh, just cause it deals, it's kind of surreal and the imagery is, uh, fanciful. Mm. Um, uh, I, that's a pretty good guesstimation, but um, that's one of the few that still have the same name. Sylvia Hunger and the Visit uh, mm. the remains the same. Yeah. And I don't want to give anything away either, but you do have certain themes that run in the story. And I think you you handle um, like loss pretty well. Um, but ha like, is that something... You, you write about it very beautifully and you handle it well, but like, is that something in your personal life? I know we've all dealt with loss, but like, are you good at doing that in general? Did it take you time to kind of heal and, and handle well, that kind of thing? Um, it depends. Like, you know, my parents are dead. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a loss, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they uh, they had long and, and fruitful lives. So um, I think more than trying to translate a personal loss. It was more about dealing with the concept of loss that of loss that everyone eventually deals with 
some way yeah. or other, you know, and there's different levels of that people experience. So. And I think that, uh, you know, trying to reach as many emotional notes as possible. Yeah, and you hit them all. Um, the, the cool thing about it, too, is, and it's something that I think more people find comforting and probably understanding, is that um, no matter what, like the feeling of loss is the same. No matter what kind of loss it is, it's still the same kind of pain, um, maybe to different degrees, but it's it's like, you know, loss of a loved one, whether it's your parents or whether it's um, somebody that you loved. Um, and now they may not necessarily. There's, I think there's two main categories. There's uh, the death loss, which mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, that's out of your hands. And then there's a romantic loss. Yeah. And with that, there's always the concept that there will be something found ahead of the game, you know, that's mm -hmm. all for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and those are uh, elements that you certainly want to touch on when you're writing a book that you want to be uh, that resonates with people on lots of different levels. Did right. you have any moments in reading it where you uh, were tearful or were it struck an emotional chord that you actually cried? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the um, yeah, um, I well, I mean, for, for me, I think the culmination of different kinds of loss, for sure. I mean, I just lost my my dad died last year um, in November on November 7th um, and my stepdad a few years beforehand in November. And, um, you know, and I and I've also like, you know, I just uh, before the pandemic, I was in a relationship. I lost that. Too. There's there was just a lot of stuff that like that kind of hit me but i think the perspective in it is what made me um emotional about it you know what i mean is because it's one of those things where until you see it in maybe like print or another character or in art in some kind of way you don't realize maybe how far you've come in handling something because i think when my dad died i was a wreck um and i kind of i went through a period of like um feeling really shitty about it and then shutting down which sucks but, you know, I mean, that's my I don't know why that's my response, um, but it was for a bit and then kind of coming back out of it at the end. Well, I think it's also an element that deals with uh, the development of the character and how you relate to the character. And mm -hmm. if you're feeling connected to them and they go through an emotional experience, you know, you it, it travels to you and you you have a empathy. I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's one of the most important things about any kind of art, too. Like, and I, I don't know if it's missing necessarily these days, but I always talk to my friends about how, like, the stuff that we came up with, um, and not to say that that movies and things that are coming out now are bad. I like a lot of stuff that comes out, um, but I think the way we grew up and the movies and the TV shows and stuff like that that we grew up with was heavily, like, was very, very social. Like, so, you know, there were no cell phones and there was no real computer. So all the all the movies and TV shows were based on interacting with other people. And I think when you're young, you get to see how how um, somebody you might not know, but a character you love deals with pain and grief and loss or just deals with a bad situation. And it does kind of, you know, you, you see elements of yourself in it. And I think it also kind of teaches you how to behave. And I think good stories and 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 um, and you know things like this help too. And I think you see yourself in it, so you're like, I could have handled that better. And, <laughs> this, uh, this severed soul. Um, what would 
well, after that, well, you said you had several. Oh, several soul. I, I love, I loved hunger. Um, I loved Sylvia right off the bat. And I think that was a, I wanted to ask you how you chose that to be the first um, story in the book. Cause I think that kind of, it's shorter um, and it, but it sets the tone so well um, of kind of what you're going to be expecting in the, and everything else. Um, but I loved Sylvia. I loved severed soul. I loved hunger. Um, and I liked the very last one, sugar from the snow. I mean, I loved all of them, but like sugar from the snow, um, I liked as well. And, uh, um, and hunger, there's a, a, a thunderbolt twist at the end. Was that surprising to you? We probably we can't reveal it because of the code of of literary consummation ones. This is why I was like treading lightly on what I wanted to say in some of them too, because I'm like, you idiot! Not that we can't edit that, you know, but I was like, don't give it away. Well, <laughs> so, you don't want to, but you know, but there is something there that that's unexpected. But I uh, I didn't really see it coming. Anything that, that you, that mm -hmm. I didn't see it coming, and I love um, being surprised. Um, like that too. Hunger was one of the ones I thought I would really like to see this, like, uh, lot. Like I'd like to see this played out either. But I'm like, I was trying to figure out who would play what. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those. You ever read something so good that you literally start casting people in your head? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so, uh, and you know, um, almost uh, all the films based on Edgar Allan Poe are based on his short stories. Yep. So it really gives you a, a nugget of, or a nugget, I suppose is an example of a nugget within a nugget that doesn't involve a nugget, which right. is <laughs> undefined food substance featured in Three Musketeer Bars. <laughs> Three Musketeers, right? 3.5. Two five musketeer, and uh, were you? Uh, you've already admitted to to having emotional sensitivity and tears. Did you have uh, any laughs? Laugh? Oh, uh, almost immediately. Um, this is this is where your turns of phrase come in, and I could tell Sylvia had me. There's a couple lines, more than a couple lines in Sylvia that just made me laugh out loud, um, which I loved. Um, and did you uh, did you answer the question? What made you choose Sylvia as the first one? to go with yeah you know, it's a really good question uh basically uh it confirms everything that you said it's only six pages long mm -hmm. it's um i think my daughter said that's your wheelhouse it's just uh it's kind of the essence of uh of surreal comedic verbiage yep. with with heart and and the story to you know beginning middle and ended um and uh you know, I thought about, I played around with which ones on the order. It's kind of like the order of um, of songs on a record. I was going to say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it and they all play out really. I don't think I would switch anything around. Um, yeah, I wouldn't switch anything. Well, I do have um, a proposal for people that, that want to go another direction, and that's to start on the story that, the month you were born in, unless you're born in uh, November, December, and then you have to begin at the beginning or yep. turn it upside down either way. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Today's my birthday. So I, uh, I, I, you know, began it at the right time. Happy birthday. Today's Thank the you. 28th. Yep. 28th of November. Tomorrow's 519 AM. Congratulations. Oh, it's your mom's birthday tomorrow. Oh, beautiful. 
Very nice. We're Sagittarius. She was, yes. Yeah. And, um, well, I'm just uh, really uh, delighted because you're really the first uh, person who has expressed, um, you know, a professional viewpoint on on these. And it's such a weird thing to write a story. It's so presumptuous. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write and People are going to read that. They're going to spend time reading it. Hey, I got stuff to do. I don't, I don't want to read. I got a TV show. I want to take a walk, maybe eat something. I have reading ants for school, but um, I've read uh, one of my favorite books, which I actually mentioned is uh, 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami. And that's over a thousand pages and uh, probably the best book I ever read, but that really requires a commitment by the reader. Yes. And by having short stories, I mean, there's nothing really over 50 pages. So they're concise enough to deal with the short attention span market. Yes. And the, and the ADD in me thanks you for that immensely. Um, it's, it's one of those things though, where I think no matter what the length of it is, if you're an entertaining writer, which you obviously are, like I would continue to sit, it's hard to get my attention, but the fact that I ended it and I was like, I either got to read this again or wait until he writes another piece. Um, that means a lot to me because it is, it is one of those things where like, you know, I, I do have a short attention span and I wish it were longer and it really takes me a long time to get into something, but there's really nothing like from the first moment on, you're already involved in the story. So that means like a, a world to me, somebody who like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna make me really kind of wait, it's like, if you ever read an article online for a piece of information you were looking for? And the guy who wrote it wants to tell you who is who is family history first. And you're like, dude, I just want to know how to install cabinets for the love of God. You know what I mean? Like that drives me bananas. Any but, almost any form of social media, you have that. It's prevalent. Yeah. You know, yeah. First this, but uh, you know, I came here today and I was thinking, just get to it. Show me the A minor suspended five over six in, inside a jar without the telephonic-ish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. So uh, you said a couple of your influences. Are you, um, I mean, I know how you perform and I know how you work in general. How are you able to switch modes, though, to turn it off to like, because to sit down and write something like this, you do have to have a bit of con uh, concentration. Like, what kind of writer are you? How do you work in that respect? Do you do you sit down and go from nine to five, I'm going to write and nothing's going to disturb me in this room right now. Or do you kind of jot down notes, get up, meander? Like, what's your process like? Uh, well, it depends where in the in the the story I am. Uh, but essentially, you know, what I start writing isn't what I end up with. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, even from just day to day, I'll write something and I'll think, oh, that's good. I got that out. But then, you know, you read it again and it's, it's not really good. But it got me to here. And yeah. when you climb up to there, then you figure out how to climb to the next level. And mm -hmm. then then you can find out what's wrong with it. It's in increments. Mm -hmm. uh, very few aspects of it are just done in one swoosh of, of verbal baguja. So, um, but it is, uh, you know, every writer does have a, a different procedure, but I'm uh, just like to just keep crafting it until nice. And then tonight, and then go back and look at it again. Cause your perceptions change and just, yeah, 
really clear enough. So then how do you know when a piece is done and you're not over? Like, cause I'm assuming you feel like you can always go back and fix something cause your brain never stops. So how do you go? This piece is finished. I have to leave it as it is and move on. Well, when it, when it gets to that point, you, you know, I mean, uh, the last couple of things I worked on, um, I thought they were done, but uh, rubies and emeralds uh, wanted to uh, have a different beginning. Oh, um, I can I can tell you this part without giving away too much. But before he goes to Spain, mm-hmm. I wanted a beginning that tells you more about him and how he ended up there, and you know his life path. Mm-hmm. And I took a while to do that, and another one. Uh, yeah, um, with, with severed soul. Uh, the ending of that uh, changed a couple times. I was driving to um, my granddaughter's birthday two years ago, and on the way to Long Beach in the car, I I was like playing it in my head, and then I had the idea to uh, that led to the second part of of that without without giving away too much. Yeah, you know, and uh, inspiration, and just hoping that. uh, you know, it's it just it's a a process of uh, mm-hmm. of developing it. It's similar to the way I draw. You know, I just draw something and then I look for things and I enhance them and push some back and pull others forward and just crafting it. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, that's kind of what you're describing to me almost. In like when you're building a stand-up set, it never leaves your head. You're constantly working on the on that material over and over and over and over and over and over and over again you know on stage yeah and that's yeah but there's no equivalent to that where you know you're testing this out in front of an audience right and and even that concept can can be faulty because you can have just a a great a crazy great audience you know they have almost everything and my joke never really got a laugh and laughing at some men like you tried a couple of times, wasn't quite as much, and you realize it was never really a solid piece. It was like, you know, yeah. it was just the schmookies. Yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. Um, <laughs> have you had anybody recognize themselves in any of these stories yet? Are you drawing? Because I'm assuming you have to be drawing somewhat from personal experiences and people. Has anybody read it yet and been like, is this me? <laughs> no, because there's nobody in it. Oh, that, that's great. Uh, directly related there's elements of things that are there mm-hmm. uh, my grandfather there's an element of things that i experienced with him mm-hmm. uh, and uh and there are certain you know just little things from my life like the kind of car my father loved nice uh, and just uh or something that my mother collected mm or a, a family name, my mother's maiden name, throwing that in there. Um, nice. Speaking of like, there is, uh, and the stories, there's also, uh, they're linked in ways that aren't obvious. I don't know if you yeah. cross those or realize those, but um, hunger and, uh, and uh, too many secrets. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, a link between... Uh, the the husband in uh, hunger mm-hmm. he's a sculptor i think it's safe to say that yep yes and, and uh too many secrets uh one of his sculptures is is part of the story yep 
I so love that. I like links. And there's also, um, uh, like in, uh, let's see, what is it? Cygnus of the Northern Sky, there's a reference to Severed Soul. Right, 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 right. I know what you're talking about, yeah. And um, just little things. And Mount Hudson, I use that in more than one story. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of have this interweaving connection that's not really pertinent to understanding the story at all, but it's just enough to like maybe give it a hint of all being linked. So it almost yeah. is like a novel, but told in in separate, 10 separate stories. Yeah. Um, it reminds, like, have you ever seen the movie uh, Love Actually? Love Actually. Yeah, it's a British film, um, but it. Uh, Who's in that? That um, oh my goodness, um, Jennifer Hugh, Jason Lee. Somebody with three names. Somebody with three names. Uh, I think so. Hugh Grant is in it. Um, um, oh my goodness, I love this dude, but he passed away. Who played um, um, the guy in the the bad guy in Die Hard and Professor Snape in Harry Potter? Um, oh, Rickman, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. That's it. Alan Rickman's in it. Laura Linney's in it. She's the only American in it. Um, and Emma Thompson's in it. But anyway, but like, it's the kind of thing where like, when I was thinking about this as a movie or as like a bigger piece, it's like, I love when you're watching something and then you see the person from the beginning of the thing is somehow related to somebody in this or a piece of art like you had wound up in somebody else's house, like that kind of stuff. I love when it all ties and links together. It's just... It's like it's like when you hear a callback from a great stand up and a thing and you're like, oh, my God, they tied their whole thing in together. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's that was always a, a part of my stand up was what I call the weave, mm -hmm. especially when I'm uh, doing audience work and yeah. you know, extrapolating information and making it funny and then and then weaving it in later on. Right. Absolutely. So, that's another one. That's that's, you know, and that's a literary technique. A lot of my stand up. Um, structurally is I think of it as uh, things I learned from literature. Yeah. Um, was there anything you asked me about um, the emotional side of the stories? Is there anything for you while you were writing it that you kind of, you know, um, had to stop for a second and pull back because maybe it was too personal or it was, or it, or it kind of sparked a memory um, for um, you that you were like, Ooh, that one, that one's kind of hit kind of hard. No, cause um, I'm, I'm creating scenarios that are fictional. Right. But that's, you know, that's what the uh, storytelling is. And there were times where, you know, I was reading it over and I, and I got to the end and, and I definitely, it made me emotional because I was in it and I just, uh, you know, it took me to that place. That's good. I mean, you can connect with your characters like that. It's kind of hard to let them go at a certain point too. Do you consider the, uh, other than maybe having them go into another avenue, another area of media, but do you consider these to be completed? Oh yeah, wow! But not completed like it, they're they're complete stories. However, yeah. it's not to say that that story couldn't be used uh, as the Somewhere basis else. of a film or uh, or as the first episode of a series. Where, right. like uh, for instance, in Hunger, without divulging the material. Uh, what happens to the end, at the end, having that instance uh, develop into its own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think about that. Uh, I think if you craft 
these people to be believable living things, uh, then it's inevitable that they will have a life of their own after you finish reading. Because they kind of, uh, yeah. I had one of my uh, original thoughts about describing them was that, you know, they, uh, the stories end in the book, but they continue in your head. Yes. And, Absolutely. And that's always been the case for, for things that I've read that I really liked. I even used to think that all the stories and books that I've read, all those characters are up there in my head, and, and there's a relationship between them. Mm-hmm. Character from Hundred Years of Solitude is talking to a guy from Perfume, and they're all they're going out to lunch. And, yeah, but there's no lunch in my head. So <laughs> one of my one of my favorite authors is uh, a Kurt Vonnegut, and uh, there's this little Slaughterhouse this little, Five. Yeah, Slaughterhouse Five, um, uh, Breakfast of Champions, and uh, I would qualify uh, you as a humanist the same way he he has a a way with writing people where it personalizes every character and you can see yourself in them. And that's what it felt like uh, reading all your short stories, man. It felt like um, I had gotten to know each and every one of them extremely well, almost to the point where I was like, I hope they're okay. <laughs> like at the end of the if day. that's the case, then I'm, I feel I have succeeded. Now, uh, there was one issue that I didn't know whether it would be problematic or not, but I wanted to do it almost as a challenge to mm-hmm. uh, write a story uh, as uh, a woman from a woman's point of view. Oh. So uh, Cygnus of the yeah. guy is it's about uh, a woman and you know, it's a uh, first person. So, uh, uh, you know, it's like, how can you write about a woman? Well, I have people do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I thought I, I didn't, I have to, I see, this is two now. This is two male white dudes saying, "I don't see. I saw. I thought you were the woman." But yeah, I would have to. I'm going to give it to a friend to read. Uh, and well, women thought I was the woman. Well, I I am the woman. Like, in a no, 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 no. I wrote it. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean. Should I no. check my pants? <laughs> oh my god! When I write a woman's story, I'm so into it that I look down and go, "Where's the junk, Papa?" <laughs> There's no more symphony in the concert hall. You pass by a mirror, startle yourself. Um, startle the mirror. <laughs> so, uh, is this kind of is this the kind of thing? I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of your stand up. I love that you're doing that kind of stuff. Do you have you been go- have you gone out at all after the pandemic to dabble a little bit in stand up? Uh, a couple of times, but um, I haven't uh, found a place where I could do it regularly. Okay. And, um, and that was uh, one of the, the major drives for me to uh, to finish my book was because, yeah. you know, I'm not going around doing stand-up. So, yeah. Uh, and it's one of the few things, you know, you can do without someone giving you a job. You know, you do stand-up even. It's by yourself. Right. Asleep, but you, got, you need a gig. You need a club. Uh, to do a movie, you need a script, an actor, a director, you need to be cast. But uh, artwork and um, and writing, you can uh, do by yourself. So, yeah, I, I do a lot of that because that's uh, it allows me that um, moment the, that gives me what I call the at one with moment, where I'm so involved with what I'm creating that I'm just there. Like, I don't, there's no other thoughts. I'm just 
into that at that absolutely and that's part of my uh my survival mechanism so this is this is is the part where i get greedy now right because now i want to know because i'm a big um i love all these these comedy documentaries and by like autobiographies and stuff like that getting pumped out are you planning on writing um something more autobiographical more about the comedy scene more about your your life and your experience as a comedian and an actor no i'd love to oh no oh man uh i think my daughter is oh she's begun uh my oldest daughter rachel nice has begun a a documentary beautiful thank god but um that just seems to be the regular i mean i I could change my mind and somebody in so many years says, here's this money, do that. <laughs> right now, I'm more interested in creating things that uh, that are fictional, that are imaginary, that take the reader to a wondrous place that mm. you know, he wouldn't get just by knowing the night that Flip Wilson came into the comedy store. The night I, I met Red Fox and... Uh, he needed a cigarette and I got him a cigarette. And he told me to come by, come by NBC. And I went to NBC and uh, looking for him. Was there some other reason? And I ran into Alan Katz in the hallway who used to write for Laugh-In. Yeah, yeah. And they brought me to see uh, Paul Keyes, I think was his name, the producer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was my first national show. It was uh, Discovery of the Week on Laugh-In. Oh, that is beautiful. That's amazing. I had I had uh, George Slaughter on as a guest uh, about a oh, I think a year ago now, but he that was fascinating. He's uh, an interesting guy. Yeah, George Slaughter. He was the producer. I think that's uh, who I mistakenly called George. Somebody. I wonder who that guy is. He's, <laughs> he's trying to get into a story, but I'm not going to let him because he didn't pay his dues. You got to pay dues to be in a book. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's fascinating, though. I'm glad there's a documentary coming out about you, man. I, it's you've had a, an well, amazing. I, I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I can't say for sure that it's coming out about me, but uh, it's in the process. So, um, yeah, I feel very blessed every day that uh, you know I've, I've done these things from you know um, presenting on the Academy Awards, yeah, with uh, Robin Williams. That's a that was a great great segment. That was, uh, and the teleprompter went out right in the middle of it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, who would know? I didn't tell anybody. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and there's the, also, you know, just things like the having kids, the birth of my children, watching my kids grow up, and then watching them have kids. I right. mean, I, I feel uh, blessed at an extraordinary level. And in addition to that, I may say, being able to talk to a distinguished and professional, funny individual like yourself, with the, you know, the Renaissance haircut and the candle, <laughs> the sweater and the whole beard for Lashman, it's a pleasure. And uh, and really, like all these things that I do, all these podcasts and schmodcasts and God masks, uh, <laughs> you really uh, have your own particular style of intelligence. And that's you. That's uh, makes it just so much better. Thank you so much, man. That makes me feel really. It, I got to tell you, man, and I know you probably know this from being a, a young comic when you were when you were uh, just banging your drum out there. I'm on stage. still a young comic. I just live in an old body. 
Better than having an old body than having nobody. Grace used to say, if you get any older, I won't even you. And I said, that sounds like a temptation. Oh, my God. I love you. I, I was going to say, the compliments like that from somebody like you who I've admired for a very long time will literally keep you going because you know how, how bad this business can beat you down sometimes. And like hearing that makes me feel really good. So that's going to keep me going for a little longer, much to probably the industry's chagrin. But what are you going to do? You know? No, well, the hell with the chagrin. It's better to have a chagrin <laughs> than have a grin in Sheboygan. I just found out that a, a, an amazing writer director, um, without mentioning names, I'll just say amazing writer and director. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw he had liked one of my, a couple of my, my art pieces uh, that I posted on, I think, Facebook. Beautiful. And I wrote a little note and I found out that this guy, uh, you know, he, he admires my work oh, and specifically nice. talked about Zodiac. So, you know, I think particularly for artists, there's a whole, there's a whole swath there's a whole patch. There's a there's a, a gigantic amount of people out there that uh, you know know you, appreciate you, but you don't necessarily know about it. That's so. a really good point. Yeah, I like so that. That's, that's why uh, fantasy comes in. You just imagine them. Yeah. Thinking, yes, I'm in a better mood now. I talk to the people that that like me, but don't know who I am. So you said this was you said this was like twenty years in the making. Which piece was which piece would you say was the hardest for you to complete and why? That's really another really good question. I would say probably Sugar from the Snow. Okay. Because that and Mystica, because the elements of the story are so out there essentially and not really established as to how that could be and creating a framework where their occurrence was believable and understandable right that took more time than i expected you know i thought it was finished i thought i'd finished that that originally i think uh, the first title for that was time lords but then i realized that was something that already existed mm-hmm uh, which is good because it's a bad name. I mean, it's a good name, but you're a time lord. I am a time lord. Good look, slave. There is no time for the Russian. Like time is Never ask a time lord the time. But I don't know the time. It's time for you to decease the language. Yeah, that. And, and same with Maristica because uh, that's a pretty fanciful um, concept. In fact, the, uh, the illustration on the front of my book Mm-hmm. It uh, represents uh, Maristica. That's actually uh, a oh, nice writing from the actual story. I said actual twice, actually. And uh, <laughs> uh, so those two, I would say, were the most difficult to present the scientific data in a way that was manageable for non-scientific people. And that's uh, a huge uh, bonus for me because I like when people can distill stuff. You and I, you know, I'm, uh, you and I have had many conversations, um, either over the phone or through text, where I just like am like, please just break this down, <laughs> like explain it. I almost called you the other day when there was a, a gamma ray 
that was uh that would that had hit the earth and they couldn't figure out what it was coming from and i was literally burst. you mean a gamma ray burst a right? gamma ray burst that's what i was going to ask you because i was like who would who do i know that has probably already seen this thought about it and wrapped it up in a nice bow and I, I went to call you but i think it was i think i was up at some ridiculous hour and i was like i'll call him tomorrow and then of course i got sidetracked but i'm always up at ridiculous hours and uh, oh good and because uh, to me every hour is ridiculous <laughs> it's the notion that we have sequenced this portion of that to be this and not yes that. you know what day is yeah. it like, like that do you think a tree knows what day it is <laughs> And there are some people that say that uh, Sunday is actually the first day of the week, and yeah. the Saturday, the Sabbath, is is the last day. Yeah, uh, and um, every day is just uh, the name of a of a planet or a celestial body. You know, Monday, Moon, Tuesday, Mars. Yeah, Earth, Jupiter, Friday, Sunday. That's easy. And if we added a 13 month, every month would have 28 days and every day would begin with Monday, which you think would just resolve every, the first of every month would begin with a Monday. And you think it would solve a lot of issues, but nobody wants to do that either. Well, there would be uh, an extra day, 13 oh, yeah. into 365. Right, right, right. You're right. But here's what you do. You sell that day for advertising. So like, let's say the Hugo company, this and this, this one, it's Hugo Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day, the special day, and it's it's bid on by people, and the money is used to, you know, help the earth. Oh, fuck. love it. Let's pitch it. Sell it. Done. Well, there are uh, stories that there were only 13 uh, months as well uh, that they're worth, well, you know, and the time of uh, Julius Caesar, there were only 10 months. Yes. October is the 10th, but, you know, Aknav Dek. Yeah. Since the summer holidays are moving into the winter, they added two months, July and August, Julius Augustus Caesar. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah. It's all about the backhand. Hey, what do we got for this? Hey, we're going to put the months in your name. But it's going to cost you. I need four to Brahkins and six for Schwoods. I'd like to call the 13 month Smartober. Smartober? Smartober. Oh, that sounds kind of like like a breakfast treat. <laughs> An on the go breakfast treat with marshmallow in it and stuff. Uh, June Ember. June Ember. Ooh, that's a nice one. Or Megu. 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 Megu come for you. Megu. This is damn Megu weather. Speaking of goo and life and amazing, you know, and science, people say, oh, we don't have science. If you, but if you told somebody, you know, how did you get here? Well, uh, your dad shot some goo out of his pee hole into your mom's pee hole, and then you developed inside your mom's. Like, Come on, don't bullshit me, man. Come on. Just tell the truth. <laughs> how did this happen? How did this? No, I'm telling you, that's how it works. And, you know, when you eat, you're really eating sunlight. What? Yeah, every, you see the sun's up there and the plants transfer the sunlight into another file format. You can download that or an animal eat that and change it to another file format and then you can download it from that. But right. I mean, we're goo creatures that eat sun. That's yeah. pretty much the way yeah. it is. And that's humbling. Uh, it, it is humbling. It's one of those things where I wish sometimes we could just drag the ignorant up to space 
and just be like, that's how that's how lonely we are. There's nothing else around but that little blue dot for miles and everything else we see is already dead. And, you know, but, you know, you can't it'd be too much money to drag those idiots up there. Well, we, we are the ignorant. No matter how many ignorance you got, then, you know, don't count yourself out because. Yeah. There's only so much we know. And, uh, you know, Jupiter, it's, uh, it's a gas giant, but we don't know what's underneath all that stuff. Right. Yeah, we don't know that. We don't even know what's, I mean, the the, the ocean okay. thing scares the shit out of me. Like the, like the ocean, the fact that we don't even, we've only barely even breached, you know, uh, the depths of like, you know, where most of those animals live and dwell. We haven't even seen... What was it? The giant? It's not the giant uh, squid, but it's the there's a giant squid and there's one bigger than that, and that's it's the one that we've really never squid. Yeah, yeah down in the Marinara Trench. I mean, all those uh, creatures. There's um, there's some kind of uh, small creature down there that doesn't get sunlight, but it lives off these uh, plumes that send out this like volcanic fumes that have yeah. bacteria in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Life's yeah. everywhere. Yep, and they just found uh, life in a part of the. I don't. I don't know if it's like the coldest. Minnesota. There you go. Yeah, there's life just... in, in two parts of Minnesota. Right. And they had to pay. They had to pay a ridiculous amount of money. Just yeah. To get beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are you talking about? Someplace up in, uh, at the Northern Pole, some kind of microbe thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They found a bunch of microbes down there and they were alive, which is one of those things that like I drastic I, I like I always hope that they're going to find something that's going to drastically change the way people think, you know, just about well, life in general. If they do, there'll be many people that will try to prevent that from being disseminated. Right. You know, that's just the way it is, because, you know, the ruling class will not put up with with that kind of chaos. However, yeah. There would be things that are not determined by the view of men. What they think is real. There is more in this little cup of life than you have ever imagined or could imagine. It's true what he said. I know it. Do not speak to me when I slap. I'm sorry, Becco. I can I tell you for the MS benefit when we had you and Megan Cavanaugh and Mark DiCarlo. And I think Billy West on, you know, they all did their, they, you, you guys were generous enough to do to the audience. They were generous enough to do their voices to help raise money. And you did that one. And I'm pretty sure you scared people into donating. That was, that was the yeah, best. Yeah. I was, that was the best. That, that was, I was not expect. I was like, I wonder what he's done so many. I wonder which one he's going to choose to do. And you did uh, that voice and it was fucking beautiful the deep one not the uh the, oh yeah the deep one the deep one yeah yeah interesting. that was fantastic and we modified to volume and pitch to chance to mama even this one can be made to be more friendly more inquisitive as to the nature of what is real but i do not think i'm going there now please don't do it now. Nobody cries in the middle of what? No, for that I don't have enough time. Because <laughs> the head can you not like that? I wasn't even better on a person like that. And be well, there are more answers to come. 
Beautiful. Thank you. That was that was amazing. Uh, I want you to read um, an excerpt from your book, but before we do that, I want to ask you a little bit because you'd mentioned the Zodiac. Do yeah. you do you um, do you still kind of follow? Because they just said that they had found another guy who had claimed to be the Zodiac. They did like a DNA thing. The FBI acclaimed it. Somebody completely different than who everybody speculated it was. But then they came back again, like a month later and said it became inconclusive. Do you follow it? Do you have your own suspicions since you've been in the in, in the movie and kind of had to you know look into that kind of stuff? I'm glad you asked that question. Many people do often when they find out that I was involved in the theatrical production. Mm -hmm. Make the answer quite simple. No, I don't give a flying fuck. Nice. And that's only because uh, it doesn't really concern me and it's just hearsay, you know? Yeah. And Unless you're there, I mean, it's like word origins. You know, if you're not there, you really don't know. But you know, if uh, you actually found out it was Babe Schrudelfen, then you know, I never knew Babe or anybody there. Yeah. But uh, as to uh, who killed the Kennedys or or who killed Jeffrey Epstein or yeah. things like that, that would be more interesting to me than than the Zodiac killer. Agreed. It, it is weird that that particular guy, I mean, maybe just because there was the time frame it was built around or whatever, but that, that got a lot more play. Like there was a lot of people doing a lot of fucked up shit and, mur and murdering way more people than he did. But that was the one that got like, you know, all the press and the, and there's been a bunch of stuff. I can't tell you how many documentaries that I've, I've seen on that kind of thing. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it was very packageable. It was mm. uh, good marketing. That's a good point. You know, yeah. Just the name Zodiac Killer and the fact that he had this code written out. And it was right. in San Francisco and uh, time that he didn't do it and did do it. And, you know, in that movie, mm -hmm. uh, I'm back to David Fincher, uh, I was, in addition to playing the character that I played on camera, I was the voice of a caller that calls into a talk show uh, where they thought maybe he was the the killer yeah a mental patient oh calling about my headaches and uh, yes forced me to do that as well oh i had no idea man that is fucking awesome it's uncredited but i, I preferred it that way actually because of things that i learned from robinson crusoe and dag hammerschold oh very nice those are both lies i, I was gonna say robinson crusoe, crusoe. And Dag Harrishold was an uh, ambassador to the United Nations. A long time. Yeah. I just like that name. It's a good name. And Robbins and Caruso. You know what's crazy? This is how my brain works. You said Robbins and Caruso, and I thought of the Dick Van Dyke movie where he plays uh, a guy. This is no one's seen this movie but me, by the way. Um, but it's uh, it was definitely like the Tales of Caruso or something like that. He's just a guy who's shipwrecked on an island, and uh, and he and he finds. Um, like a family there or something like that. People who were living there and he becomes like one of, it, it's it's not a big deal, but I'm just telling you that's. Dick Van Dyke, what a, uh, Maury Amsterdam. Yes, the he, best. Uh, and uh, boy, what a show that was. I can, uh, I can tell you um, uh, like every, whatever, if you name an episode, I can tell you the name of the episode. It's one of my favorite shows, mostly because my mom and I bonded over it when I was younger. Like she loved it. And so we would, she would tape it. 
And then we would watch it, you know, when she was off from work or, or when I was a kid, I would stay up late to watch the Dick Van Dyke show. And I have the whole collection. Um, it's just the, it ne- that show never ages. Like it's, I mean, other than no cell phones, but they never did anything topical. And the comedy is still like top notch, like super funny. What about Twilight Zones? Have you seen Love. Love Twilight Zones. What's your top three Twilight Zones? Um, the ones with the mannequin. The mannequin. Uh, the mannequin. I think it was called The Mannequin, where um, you follow this woman around in the beginning of the, of the thing, and she has this own life, but there's these people following her. And uh, the crux of that one is, is that you find out she goes, she keeps going back to this one department store that she's drawn to, and she right. doesn't know why. And then, yeah. yep. What about the beauties in the eye of the beholder? Oh, that's a great one. That is definitely one of my top five ones. Um, and the that one, the, uh, the lady is up in an attic smashing Agnes. Ship. Yes, and I was. And you see the uh, United States logo. There. Yes, I was just going to say that's that's one of two with Agnes Moorhead that I love, and she's in the one with the attic. Um, there's another one that I really like where this woman keeps getting phone calls from her uh, deceased husband. And she's keeps calling the phone, his phone's out of her, all this other stuff. And, and they the, fi- the line was on his grave. Yes. Yeah. How great is that one? That one. And um, and one of the classic ones. I love the one with the boy that sends everybody away. Oh, Billy Mummy or Mummy. Yes. Yes. Wishing the cornfield. That one. Sure a small boy in a field in Minnesota, caught up in a lie that was wrapped in its own fable. A marginal incident about to unfold in the twilight. Yes. And what is the one, I bet you you'll know this one, where a guy shows up in a diner in the middle of nowhere. And he's an, I think he's an, or he's not from this world. Yeah, is that the one with uh, William Shatner in that? Yes. The girl, and they keep getting another one and another one. Yes. And, uh, and he comes in, and I think the, he has three eyes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. Those I I, I think I turned down most stand up gigs on New Year's now because I just want to stay home and watch the marathon. Yeah, well you can tape it. And uh there was another show, well, Outer Limits was comparable in some yeah. ways. There was a show called Way Out. Oh, I don't know that one. No, it's uh it starts with this uh, like a burning hand. And uh they only made a couple of them. Ooh. I don't know what happened to it, but it was it was like uh, darker than Twilight Zone. Oh no, I have to look not, it up. No, not as dark as a Black Mirror, but more oh, like yeah. a burnt sienna aluminum. <laughs> It'd be great if if you did if you did television reviews, but in shades of color. Yeah, I give this. This is a magenta overpuce. <laughs> it, it's dappled. With a little bit of aquamarine, but mostly it's just stripes of ebony and slippery yellow. And everybody just interprets it their own. Oh, those are my favorite colors. This seems like a good one. He said it was yellow. I that was a green movie. If I ever saw it. <laughs> People would definitely debate you over that on the internet. They wouldn't even know your own. They wouldn't even know you. You couldn't invent your own language, and they'd argue with you about it. There's, I mean, it's really a new level of performance by humanity uh, you know the, the, the rated the canceling people uh yeah they are just on saturday night live timothy uh you know uh, he did a bit about something and they want to cancel him for dune and 
Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Yeah. It's my, the way I kind of try to explain it to people who get way too involved in that shit. I would, I just go, you know, do you remember when you were younger and you would be online at a grocery store and there would be those people who glanced over at, uh, the rag magazines and then they went about their day. And then there was the people who actually picked them up, bought a copy and believed everything that was in them. That's those people on the internet. But there's just a lot of them and they found each other. Yeah. Before it was just one idiot on a line and he thought he was alone. And now now they have the flat earthers. There, there, there are a whole bunch of those. I just want to find out if they think the sun is flat as well. Yeah. Oh if my the earth is flat, the, the sun should be too. Well, they don't believe in the moon, so I don't know what they think about the sun, but I've asked them before, what do you think what about the moon? And some guy told me the moon is fake. Um you know, that's pretty good. It's like a good concept. But, you know, I think this is all part of the way that, that consciousness is distributed. And it's part of the way that nature keeps going. It has these offshoots, which are really ridiculous. But what if there was a certain situation where only the people that felt that way would survive? So they're yeah. there and they're, you know, hopefully we won't get to that probably less stress is the way they'll survive. Speaking of consciousness before we, I keep, I know I love when we get off on a tangent, but um, have you seen or heard the theory about this is the, this is the cool one, right? This is the one that I feel like if people got behind, it'd be kind of fascinating. The one about uh, dragons that in every civilization around the world with no, they had no communication with each other, none whatsoever. Each of them has pictures on their caves, on their walls, in their books, uh, depicting uh, flying serpents, dragons. Oh, and Yeah, that sounds the same with pyramids. They're all over. And that little handbag that you, you can see it in Babylonian and all over the world. They have those. Oh, yeah. Of that. Well, I actually once theorized how there could be a creature that would breathe fire and it would use its body's own methane and uh, it would have uh, something in its larynx or something that would create a spark or a heat or two little things that rub together that would spark it and it would breathe out the methane and it would wow. it would fire up that's brilliant yeah like a bone in their in their larynx or something like that that clicked well but we have the hyoid bone that's the only bone that's, oh, that's right. not connected to any other bones so right. this would probably be you know this is hypothetical but yeah be something you know some kind of maybe just a, a synapse that would overheat and cause who knows it's all yeah. i feel like all mammals have an innate fear of snakes so i feel like that makes total sense that we would imagine something gigantic that could what kill about, us what about a mongoose oh true good point ricky ticky tabby mongoose don't fear no snake yeah that's true that's yeah. a really good yeah and uh you know there's i mean the whole Tarzan concept of, you know, mm, and you're communicating with the animals. And I love uh, the online things where they show two different species, like a dog and a duck all loving each other. And yeah, me too. That interspecies stuff is good. And just, uh, just seeing humans interact with supposedly wild animals, but, you know, the guy sitting on a couch with his bear. Yeah. It seems kind the of dude from Russia. Yeah. Yeah. The Russian guy. Yeah. He's great. He that's I, I love that kind of stuff. 
there's a guy who has a panther and a Rottweiler that I follow on Instagram and they grew up together, the dog and the panther. So when they were, when they were a kitten, the dog was, you know, a puppy and the dog basically kind of taught the panther how to coexist with its family. So like, it's just, it just thinks it's a giant dog and it, and it like comes when it's called and follows the Rottweiler around. And it's kind of like an interesting, like, I don't know, maybe way to raise a wild animal is to have another animal. Until kind of something happens, it pisses the panther up and he eats the fucking dog. Yeah, I know. I was afraid of that, too. I was wondering what could win in a fight, a Rottweiler or a panther, but I don't know. You're kidding? A panther, a panther right? Yeah, totally. You know, a silverback gorilla is going to take most bipeds. There's a constant debate online between a silverback gorilla and a grizzly, and I always say grizzly. What do you think? Uh, it depends what time of day. See, grizzlies, they like to sleep in. Now you get that silverback, like uh, like to have it in. That silverback's gonna kick the shit out of him. But then, if you get him like getting the silverback right after his afternoon nap, you know, mm-hmm. it's another story. I say they should have weapons, and then let, let the beginning <laughs> begin. Tie two broken bottles of uh of beer bottles to a bear's hands. <laughs> let him fist fight that way. Bottles. Give him knives. Yeah, knives. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's great. All right, back on track. Uh, would you like to read an excerpt from your book? Well, uh, excerpt, I could read something, I guess. Well, let's see what's Please. appropriate. Uh, I put on my glasses so you know that I'm really reading. Oh, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, I'll just read a, a paragraph from uh, The Visit, and then maybe if that works out. I'm uh, sure, let's see. Uh, Thurston focused on her image and nodded approvingly. She's very pretty. I like her green eyes. The Mazaran's large tapered ears wavered slightly. Her features are delicate. She will give you a beautiful child, said Le Mazaran, speaking quietly in his musically hypnotic voice. His words seemed formed by sonic prisms, soothing tones, pitched to shape rhythm. They floated like the quivering smoke of silver, soft and rounded, like a floating honey bubble gliding through a summer sky. Beautiful. Uh, I'll, I'll just hit on the beginning of Malachi Elvis, maybe one more poem. Sweet. Malachi Elvis. <clears throat> The train raced into the darkness, a black iron serpent tracking frosted rock. It sped towards the horizon, through villages and valleys, over hills both green and rocky, past the slopes of distant mountains, over cresting red mud rivers. Three hundred valiant soldiers moved across the lonesome landscape towards the city of Arnad, one thousand miles away. And just to give you a little more of a of um, Malachite or Malachite Elvis, as you said earlier. Let's see what we can um, All right, here we are. See, uh, they thanked the deacon, guzzled the water, sipped the soupy black coffee, and headed towards Arnad. The road east was rocky and littered with dead insects. Black cat chickadees pecked at small bugs, hopped over smooth stones, and drank from the rain puddles that pocked the gullies. Huge boulders lined the roadside, looking like stone goblins about to topple. 
The sky was pink and orange, mottled with dark silver clouds. The three friends stopped to admire a man-sized yellow bird perched at the top of a green ball-shaped tree with bark like velvet rust. Beautiful, man. Thank you. That's all right. Thank you very much. That was Malachi Elvis. This is uh, little bookmarkers I was using. There's a, that's oh. uh, artwork on one side. That's uh, analog. Beautiful. My drawings. And then on the other side, you have a, a digital print. Nice, these, man. These are in my, my Martian Punko catalog. They're all available for sale if you go to the Vishmamin Bookman Travel, which is just off of the of the dot in the com. <laughs> then on the other side, you see, that's is analog and digital. You can see that's my own language there. Yeah, man. I mean, you can't mess around with English anymore. Moby. Make up your own language. That's what I say always. Love it. Um, I'm going to ask you the last three questions that I ask every guest. Oh, go ahead. No, oh, go oh, ahead. I thought you were. Gonna, I thought you were. Oh, yeah. I'm going to ask no, you last. I was merely being attentive. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Um, okay, three questions. Three okay. questions. Do I have Here we to, go. Do I hear them or do I just predict what you're going to ask? Oh yeah, I kind of want you to predict it now. <laughs> Not going to do it. Not going to do it. All right, I that's fair. To my own mistakes. That's no, that's okay. fine. Okay. First question, first. first question is a softball question. I think we've been through some of these before, but first question, if you go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? Don't believe anything I tell you. Ooh. So let me ask you this. When you pictured yourself going back, what age were you talking to yourself? I didn't picture myself. I just looked for the punchline. Oh, but I have had a dream where... I met my younger self in a dream. Oh wow! And uh, and spoke to myself in that sense. That's awesome. But the younger self and older self are just illusions. There's only self. Nice. Of course, there's the the spice of experience and wisdom that can hopefully be sprinkled in. Okay. Yeah, love it. Yeah, ready question. for question number two. Cue the house. Especially <laughs> ready. Get him in focus, you fucking moron. All right, cue number two. Tommy. Here we go. Ready. Action. Uh, if you, What had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? The time in my mother's womb. Oh, wow. You went all the way back. Very nice. Well, I could have gone further, but that's... Episode. <laughs> question number three. Number, number three. three. We are losing light. Tell him to hurry up this John Procordano. <laughs> the third question ties into the theme of the show. If uh, we were in a genuine dystopia uh, the, and you woke up and you found out it was the last day on earth for everybody, uh, what do you think would be the cause? Would it be government collapse? Would it be climate change, a comet, aliens, zombies, your choice? And how would you want to go out? Well, may I just inquire, the last day for everyone. Yeah, that implies, we all know. That implies something that is a cosmic catastrophe whereby the planet is obliterated. You know, it's the last day of Earth for modern civilization. So the only thing that could do that would be some kind of a calamity collision. Mm -hmm. It would have to be, you know, uh, another uh, Death Star thing blowing us up or uh, 
collision with some interstellar bomb that you know hits the earth i don't yeah. mean in the sense of tick 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 but just a right. giant thing hits the earth yeah part of the moon from another planet is traveling at me shattered and similar types and that would be but other than that i would say if it's a man-made it will be because of greed oh i like that and what would you how would you want to go out what are you going to be doing same shit i do every day bro <laughs> same shit every day you know if you're going to change that up now you're wasting everything you know don't change it now you're going to live differently now that you're going to stop living bullshit that gets you points it takes points away you lose heaven points and you know you lose your you don't get cable no cable you don't get wi-fi in heaven i don't mess you up just stick to your guns pedro bang bang shoot oh. shoot Millie mango rangadoo oh my god i love you man you're the best um guys get out of my mind it's a, an amazing book a great group of short stories written by the incredible charles fleischer you can find it on amazon you can find it in bookstores i believe you went and, and signed some copies in bookstores out in yeah well there's only one bookstore that's available and if you live in california mm. barnes and noble and uh, studio city has it but other than that you'll you'll meet a, a brick wall beautiful future but well, you just go to Amazon.com and type in that name, Nerdy Then you can buy the book and whatever. See you autograph it with someone else's hand. Beautiful. Thanks so much for being on here, man. I appreciate it. It's always good seeing you. Thank you, sir. You are more than controlled. You are enlightened and benevolent. May all the world's wisdom pass across to you very soon. Thank you very much. Balakuta. Oh, 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 oh.